Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest episode. This is number six of Across the Cavs. I am your host, Zach Weiss, the biggest Cavs fan you will ever meet, not located in the Ohio area. So we're going to get started right away. Let's talk about the week that was for the Cavaliers. It started against the Sixers last Tuesday, and it did not go according to plan. They were playing the Sixers very competitively, very well. They held them to just 16 points in the fourth quarter. There was a long stretch of play where they didn't give up any points. And then in the last three and a half minutes, the Wine and Golders just went dead. Couldn't put a single point on the board. Down the stretch of the contest, it was all looking okay. We're up by five with three and a half minutes, feeling good. And then no points. They allow MB to lay it in late. No foul was called. They didn't try to foul him. Kevin Love pump faked for the open three. He shot just two for seven from deep in the game, and though he had 20 points and eight rebounds, couldn't lift up the team when they needed it. So this was an L for the good guys, and the Cavs at this point dropped to four and six. And, you know, they didn't have Horford playing Philly and beat at 27 and 16. Josh Richardson had 17. Uh, Tobias shot 0 of 11 from deep. We held them to just 21% shooting from deep. At the end of the day, Joel Embiid was just overpowered the Cavs down the stretch. Ben Simmons made some good passes, and that was it. It's a tough game, and they couldn't do it. And then against the Heat, they were really this was a hard game from the start. Miami, such a deep team. We're going to see them again this week, and... Kendrick Nunn had 23. They had all five stars and double figures, plus Tyler Hero added 16. And, you know, they, Der- Derek Jones has missed several games. Justice Winslow has missed several games. Dion hasn't played. I don't know if he will. Goran Dragic had a couple of key shots. Tyler Hero played well. And, you know, they just work so well as a cohesive unit. A couple of big men, Myers, Leonard, and Bam Adebayo. It's kind of outdated, even though Myers spreads the floor for the most part. But they're just such a good combo. Myers is a lethal shooter, and he's a great player in the low post. He has a great fit for Miami. Bam, six assists. He's a great passer. Jimmy, 14 points, six assists, didn't do too much. But the big thing was that the Heat starters, everybody was involved. Duncan Robinson even scored 11. We couldn't stop him. On the offensive side of things, Colin had 15. Darius had all 11 of his points in the third quarter, which was nice to see on Three threes, but Clarkson went three of 12. Nance finished the game with 14 points, although he did leave with that thumb injury. And it, just, it didn't it didn't go according to plan. Uh, he had his moments. Kevin had 21, but Miami was too good. And Philly yesterday, just too good. Tobias Harris, big bounce back game with 27. Ben Simmons, 11 assists. Philly shot 9 of 23 from deep. They realized that they should take a lot less threes and more twos, and it worked. Jetty Osman, poor performance, 5 and 4. Jordan Clarkson had 15 off the bench, and with Nance out, 
A lot of the minutes went to Alfonso McKinney, first real time as a calf, 7.6 boards. And a steal. Ante Zizic got a lot of minutes. Uh, that We're going to talk about that in a moment, in a little while, if that's the right thing for this team. Delhi only got five minutes. Brandon Knight took most of the backup point minutes. I'm uh, not really sure what Coach Beeline was doing with his, with his bench rotations. So we'll see what the next game should bring. That is tonight's game. We'll be talking about that one later. So let's talk about the Cavs' depth without Larry Nance. It's unclear if he will be playing in tonight's game. He might, he might not, but we're going to assume that he's out and he'll be out for a few more this week. So they still got Kevin and Tristan starting at the power forward and center spots. That's fine. All good and all fine and dandy. They're both very good players. After that, then the bench takes a massive hit because while John Henson is still hurt, they got Alfonso McKinney, very thin, 6'7". He can run some four for love. And then their only option at center is Ante Zizic. And I have not been a fan of his, but he averaged 8-5 and five last year. He had six points, two rebounds last game with a block. He just he doesn't rebound that well. He's soft on the glass, in my opinion, Ante is. And look, he may have had a few good performances last season. He, late in the year, had double digits in four of the final five games. Ante managed a 23-point effort against the Nuggets in a blowout loss. I just, I don't love Ante Zizic's game. He doesn't have much of a jumper. He, he's not a great rim protector for someone of his size. He's listed at 6'10". He really is like 7'1", seven foot, seven foot in sneakers on the court. And they have no one else left. Uh, Tyler, they got what, Tyler Wade. I'm sorry, Tyler Cook. He's not the biggest guy. No issues with Tyler Cook, but he's more of a two-way two guy. Tyler Cook is 6'8", 255. He's a big guy, but he is not. He went to Iowa, but he doesn't add much in the side. So without Nance, there's almost nothing outside of Lance, or uh, Kev and, and Tristan. So we just got Zizic. So I'd be very worried if I'm the Cavs if Nance has to miss time. Now we talk about Jetty Osman. Is he the long-term answer for the Cavs at the starting small forward spot? Well, this year he's playing 31 minutes a night, same as Colin. He's shooting eight times a game, making three of them, 40%. He's, 40, he's shooting 39% from three, but in all, he's averaging nine points, three rebounds, two assists, and about a steal. Last year, Jetty was... More impressive at the score, more active. He averaged 13 points, five boards, and three assists. So we look at some of the games for Osman this season. And he's been in double figures eight times. He had a game without a field goal. He's made a three-pointer in all but two games. As he had a seven-rebound effort against Miami. The assist numbers have been okay. Hasn't really done anything to impress. And look at his plus-minus. Jetty has had a positive plus-minus in three of the Cavs' four wins. And with the exception of Philly, they were never worse than negative 10 with him on the court. So he does add something on the court. But I would answer yes to this question last year if it's the long-term answer is the starting small forward. If the Cavs' pace continues, though, and Jetty's still relatively young. He's only 24. He won't be 25 for another couple months or four months from now. 
I'd consider starting Kevin Porter at small forward or Dylan Windler when he gets healthy. My initial expectation was a minute split between Windler and Osman at the small forward spot before the season started. Of course, Dylan is not healthy, so he hasn't played yet, and so has he hasn't seen the court. That's that. So Jetty's playing 30 minutes a game. I want to see more scoring. I want to see more slashing. Osman, not a great free throw shooter. He's gotten 10 attempts this year. He's made five. But get to the line. Well, I want to see him slashing. And if we look at his shooting numbers, uh, Jetty Osman to this point in the season, he's, he's taken 53 three, 52 threes and 46 twos. Last year, he took 374 threes and about 452s. Even if the numbers are, are split, you can't be taking more threes than twos. Jetty is a nice mid-range shooter. He can finish in the paint. So, Mr. Osman, please do us all a favor. Jetty, start taking it to the basket. I don't believe he's the long-term answer as a starting small forward. However, I believe that he will be here for the duration of his new four-year contract, and I am ecstatic that he signed. And tonight, the Cavaliers will be taking on the New York Knicks, a team that they defeated eight days ago. The Knicks are not having a very good season as a team. They're 3-10. and They're the lowest scoring offense. They're 30th in offensive rating. They're 22nd in defensive rating. Always getting a good crowd. They rank 11th there. And We look for tonight's game at the injury report. No Alfred Payton. Reggie Bullock continuing to remain out. He'll be evaluated next month. Mitchell Robinson is day-to-day. So even though the Knicks are 3-10, and there is plenty to worry about and plenty of guys to prep for. Marcus Morris shooting 46% from three, averaging a team-high 18 points per game. The third-year-old Morris twin is looking like an alpha score here. He gets a lot of good shots. He shoots 82% from the line. He gets six rebounds a game, even does a little shot blocking. So I look for Osman to take on the assignment of Marcus Morris. It's going to be an important one. R.J. Barrett in that backcourt will likely be covered by Sexton. At the other guard spot, the Knicks will have Frank Nittalakina. That'll be Darius Garland. Frank doesn't score much. He's only scoring five points. He averages two steals and a block, though. He will be a force on the other side. Julius Randle, not been great. Well, he's averaging 15, 10, and 4. The numbers are there, but he turns the ball over four times a game. That's leading the team. So if you're the Cavs and Kevin Love, try and force Randall to be a playmaker. Taj Gibson's been getting the starts at center of late. Mitchell Robinson coming off the bench. So not really too much to worry about with Taj. He's only scoring six, grabbing four boards. The 34-year-old is not much of a factor on the offensive end. Look for him to be a defensive factor. Watch for Dennis Smith. He's only averaging three points and two assists in his six appearances. But back-to-back, great performances off the bench. He's starting to get comfortable. Now, what, what can the Cavs do? to slow down their opponents today. It's the Knicks 3-10. and 10, They've beaten the Mavs twice. They beat the Bulls, and that's it. That's going to be their best chance at a win for the next... for the rest of... they got three tough games the rest of the week. Two on the road, one at home. So for the Cavs, really, you got to get off to a good offensive start. They had a 30-point lead against the Knicks at one point last Sunday. They went 0-3 this week. Lost by 1, lost by 11, they lost by 19. They failed to crack 100 points in any of their games. They had beaten the Knicks and Wizards on the road. 
And in this month, they have gone just 2-6. and six. They've lost to Indy, Dallas, Boston, Philly twice, and Miami. Got to start strong on the offensive end against the Knicks. Try and build yourself an early lead. And if you can do that, well, that's great. You know, if you can't, well, it's going to be tough. The Cavs do not play that well from behind. They're a team that takes a lot of threes and that goes into the low post regularly, you know, with Tristan and Kevin Love. So try and get yourself an early lead. Do your thing on defense. If you can get Colin Sexton to get 25-plus, Tristan and Love can get double-doubles. If Kevin can just shoot better than 45% from the floor for a change, I think we're looking at a sure thing, Cleveland victory. I do think they're going to beat the Knicks tonight and get to 5-8. and eight. And an updated projection of where I believe the Cavaliers will finish on the season. They, my initial prediction was 30 wins. They started the year 4-5, and five, so they've had some very tough games. Their only win over a team with a winning record this year has been Indiana. So they got the Knicks. That should be a win. The rest of the of, we'll go over the games in the next pod. We'll preview the weekend games. They got Miami again. And they got Dallas and Portland next week. They got Brooklyn, Orlando, and Milwaukee all at home. Then they got Detroit, Orlando, Philly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Not the easiest of schedules for the Cavs. Obviously, you got to play every team in the league at least twice. You could pencil in the games against the Warriors as a few wins. There's going to be some teams that just won't match up well. With Cleveland, I think they're still on pace for that 30. There was a time, you know, it's, it was very early, nine games in at four and five. You can make the case that they could compete for that last playoff spot in the East. That probably won't happen this year. And if I'm the Cavs, I'm thinking of a small forward in next year's lottery. Take their just really best player available has to be the idea. Probably not going to draft a guard inside the lottery. Now go for a forward, a small forward, maybe even a center if you want Tristan to come off the bench. Maybe a rim protector, a guy who spreads the floor. There's going to be a lot of talent in next year's draft, a lot of it. Maybe even a James Wiseman type could make his way to Cleveland, depending on how the balls fall. Uh, Cows won 19 games last year and picked fifth. You never know. They could, even if they win those 30 games, they're in the lottery. Uh, the Pelicans had Anthony Davis for the entirety of last season, and Julius Randle, and Drew Holiday, they had a good team, and yet they had the number one pick. So anything can happen. Maybe James Wiseman will come from Memphis to Cleveland and be that next superstar to pair with Colin and Darius and the guys. So I think 30 wins is the case, and that's going to be that. Closing it out today, two, two seasons ago, the Cavaliers opened the year with a team that included Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, Iman Shumpert, LeBron James, oh, they had LeBron James, of course they had LeBron James. They had Channing Fry. they had Isaiah Thomas, D-Wade, D-Rhodes. And at the deadline, things weren't great. They had beaten the Wizards in that wild game. Isaiah Thomas went to chest bump LeBron and just completely missed. After they traded Kyrie Irving, the point guard position kind of became a hole for them. Rose didn't perform well for the Cavs. He was eventually shipped off. Isaiah Thomas traded at the deadline and... Crowder was moved, Dwayne Wade sent back to Miami, Channing Fry moved. The Cavaliers brought in Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, George Schill, and Rodney Hood. All four guys were supposed to help them for the playoff run. None of them played a key role in helping the Cavs to the finals. Really, Nance wasn't great. Clarkson was atrocious. Rodney Hood was even worse. And George Hill was the starting point guard for the Cavs, and he had a couple good playoff games. He missed the free throw in that game one anyway. 
It was the, how did those moves create the foundation that the Cavaliers have today? Honestly, one of the best trades in my time as a Cavs fan, I believe, was this move. They brought in Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson in exchange for an old Channing Fried and injured Isaiah Thomas. Both Clarkson and Nance have proven to be key pieces of the Cavs. Clarkson is a scorer. Nance has an aggressive player around the rim. Now it's kind of a shooter from deep. Great rebounder, good energy player. George Hill was eventually traded to bring in John Henson to bring Delhi back. I mean, George Hill was the sacrifice to get Delhi back home. Well, he hasn't impacted the, the game the same way this year as he did in Milwaukee or even last season. Still great to have Delhi back on this team. Been my favorite player for a long time. I got the Delhi one sneakers. And to see him on our team is just awesome. So George Hill was a sacrificial lamb to get Delhi back. So that's how that happened. And uh, Trading Dwayne Wade really didn't give the Cavs much. It was just a great gesture from LeBron to his best friend saying, go on, go try and help your, your team at home get to the postseason. He did, and they would win a game against Philly with a vintage performance from him in that season. D. Rose has turned out to be a hooper again. Uh, he didn't do it with the Cavs. No, it was that, you know, but it was good to see him play a little bit for Cleveland. Couldn't stay healthy here. It's still injuries are still plaguing him as he would go on to Minnesota, where he would prove to be a real X factor last season and part of the year prior. Iman Shumpert, I'm gonna call him three Mon Shumpert when he knocks it down from the outside. He's in Brooklyn. He had a decent run to start the year with the Kings last year. They traded him to Houston, and his shooting just completely fell off when he moved. But again, it was those moves in 2017-18 to bring in Nance, to bring in Clarkson. To and By the way, when they got Isaiah Thomas, they, re, they also got Colin Sexton. So when they traded Isaiah Thomas, basically you traded Kyrie Irving to, to get Ante Zizic, Colin Sexton, and then the pieces they brought in in Nance and Clarkson. So it set the it set the the table for what we have now. And you know what? The Cavs are four and eight, but still their starting lineup persists. The guys coming in off the bench now and Porter, Delhi, Clarkson. Hopefully we get Larry back soon. They just they they play hard, and that's the Cavs' motto. It's be the fight. They're a group of guys that play the game hard. They play it the right way, and it's how it should be. And that'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. I'm Zach Weiss, and I will be at the Cavs-Knicks game tonight. Let's go, Cleveland!